Welcome to Allendale Market Talk. This is Greg McBride and Mike Lung. Mike, we had a big USDA report today. Um, we're going to save that uh, for the second half of uh, today's episode. And let's dive right into uh, to the main topic, which is cryptocurrencies. We are seeing a lot, a very lot of uh, excitement surrounding these cryptocurrencies and whether it's uh, the Chinese one, the Indian one, the Facebook one, the Bitcoin, Dogcoin, Litecoin, whatever it is, it's a big deal. And there's some concern that, or maybe there's a lot of talk that there's going to be some uh, some movement uh, uh, with the actual currencies that uh, uh, pertain to these uh, these cryptos. So, um, what do you have to uh, to to share with us today about uh, where we're going or what we're seeing in these markets? Yeah, so we're at basically the early adopter phase of this cryptocurrency, and we're at a phase where you have companies like um, like Tesla investing, and you start having governments starting to make their own, like you said, China and India, and you're just at a point where everyone's starting to dabble a little bit more into it. Bitcoin was the first run around. It's like the first smartphone. But the real question is, which one is going to be the Apple iPhone? Which one is going to get it right? And I think that's the bigger bigger one we're going to be watching going forward here is which cryptocurrency is able to take over at a more global scale as something that can be reliable, that can be tracked and monitored, and is able to be used in such a way that it is used like a currency is currently. So that really seems like the next step at this point. Yeah, and I think the 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 thing that uh, we're all kind of hung up on is, you know, there's there's a little bit of a misconception about uh, you know the world uh, currency backing uh, for the uh, for the gold and the silver, and uh, you know if we run into economic hardships or we run into stressful times in the world, whether it's war or whatever, um, we we tend to to call it the uh, uh, safe haven buying, buying into gold, buying into silver. Well, that's not necessarily the case uh, uh, anymore, is it? No. So you actually got a real good glimpse of the potential safe haven buying last year uh, when crypt, uh, when coronavirus really took hold. You had basically everything flooding out. People were taking their money out of the market, putting it under the mattress, or coming in here and buying bonds. Bonds were the only thing that were really doing phenomenal this year when everything else was just going to the wayside. So the thought process of, well, I just got to put in gold and, and metals. Well, why? Well, because currency's backed up. But no, it, it's not and has not been. And that's something that has been a large misconception for surprisingly large amount of people is our money's not backed up by metal and hasn't been since Nixon. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I mean, with so many different um, uh, currencies out there, obviously, you know, uh, real paper money or or crypto, um, you know, what are we what are we basing these new cryptocurrencies uh, on? How does how does one equate to the other equate to the other? If if China is is has created their own, and and I think we talked about the the idea that they're going to be handing out. Um, a part of it uh, during the lunar uh, holiday coming up uh, later on this week and next week. Um, how, how do you equate that to 
uh, from one to the other to the to the next. I mean, it generally it seems when it's paper currency, it's uh, the the lira versus the dollar, the euro versus the dollar, the yuan, the yen versus the dollar. Uh, how are we? Is there some sort of a a, a standard? I guess is the the gold standard uh, for these cryptocurrencies, so that if you're dealing in one, there's some sort of a conversion to the others. Yeah, so as of right now, you're going to be looking at it based on a finite amount of these cryptocurrencies. You can't make any more, you can't manufacture any less, you can mine for more, but that's already what's sitting there out there. So there's a finite of cryptos, and the best way to really think about it is to think back on how currency started. We started with the barge, and you trade things for others. You trade value back and forth. And then they moved over to coins, but the coins were very not regulated, they could come in any size. It's really, if you have metal, that's showing you have something. And then as countries started to develop, as larger governments started to develop, they started to make these coins into standardized sizes. So that way you weren't looking at everyone saying, I got a sheet of gold right here, or I got a, a rock of silver or whatever it may be. Uh, so it started to develop that way until we got to over to paper currency. And then we're saying, you know what, besides giving you the money and you have now gold in your hand, here's a dollar. And what this is gonna do is gonna say, anytime you can come back and you can return this dollar and get your metals for it. From there, you moved on to taking ourselves off the gold standard and really diverging currency away from any kind of backing besides the government saying, you know what, we got you if things go south. And that mm -hmm. developed into debt-backed currency where we sell our debt to another country, they sell their debt to another country. And we're all just interlooped in that direction. And really cryptocurrency really got a good start with the idea of just having a currency out there you can't touch, you can't feel with credit cards and debit cards. You're able to spend money and you don't actually exchange paper currency and then start moving to smartphone cards. And then now we're at the point of cryptocurrency. So it's all this very gradual process that looks very sudden. So we all, it's, it's all based on who has more ones and zeros at this point, because it's all virtual, correct? Right. It's all virtual. It's all backed by a finite amount of that ex explicit currency. And the real question about which one's going to take hold is which one has the capabilities to be tracked and monitored to right. avoid any kind of illegal activity. Okay. Well, this will this will have to be an an ongoing conversation for us because it's a, it's it's an ever evolving uh, conversation, and uh, we continue to see you know as you mentioned Tesla coming into this, and you you got more and more uh, companies that are starting to uh to to invest in this and and look to the future of using it as an actual currency for their for their goods and services and uh that'll be something to uh uh to pay attention to uh, obviously it's blown up over the last 5 to 10 years and it uh, continues now that uh, i guess now that you're seeing more and more online trading uh, similar to like what we've seen with the whole GameStop debacle and the whole uh, Robinhood traders is that you're seeing a lot more of everything on the computers and that's the way uh, that everything is going. So uh, very good information. We got to stay with that one uh, as we move forward. But let's talk about today's big event with the, uh, the USDA. Um, let's start with the soybeans. 
uh, a major, uh, a minor change, but basically just uh, uh, tightening those ending stocks to uh, to 120 million bushels. What do you got for us there? Yeah, so uh, they made a good change for the beans, as you said. It wasn't anything below 100,000 or 100 million, which is expected at this point in time. We still got a lot of season ahead of us, but a nice bullish number out of the USDA for the beans. Mm -hmm. Vice versa, and looking at the core number, not so much. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's what I was I was gonna go to here is you know we did tighten the uh, the ending stocks on on corn, but nowhere near as much as what uh, the average guess was, and in a little bit of I don't know if you want to call it creative accounting, um, but uh, it didn't necessarily make sense. So dropping uh, the ending stocks by 50 million bushels uh, by way of an increase of just 50 million bushels in exports, no other changes made. Um, it seems like a little bit of a miss. Now, is this one of those situations where uh, the trade is going to look at it and say, there's just no way. With all the purchases that uh, China made towards the end of January, is that going to be something that everybody says, we know we're going to see lower lower numbers coming uh, in the next few months? It's probably something that at least tampers trades bullish expectations at this point because until we do see that change and we can put a number behind it that is through a report it's it's something that's at least worries trade and you saw that today with corn being down about 18 cents at one point so right now it's going to be do we continue to see sales from here are we continuing to keep up with the shipment pace and do we get past really planting perspectives with our our skin in the game still intact or are we still holding long positions and just cop, kind of chopping around not finding any kind of huge bearishness because once we get to the march report you really don't have anything super bullish in trades mindset until we get to planting and get to really see what's going on with weather so it could be something you see this larger chop uh, especially with the volatile market we've seen uh, really start to develop here if we don't start to continue to see that full uh, information being fed to this market. Right. And and as we've talked about, I think we've talked about it on our uh, previous podcasts or, or even uh, in our conference is there is a, a, a seasonal coming up uh, as you go into first notice for uh, for the March contracts that typically from about the third or fourth of March uh, until you know mid to late April, we do see the corn and beans really set back a little bit. It does not necessarily that it has to fall off, you know, a dollar or two in the soybeans or 50 or 60 cents in the corn, but it is a, a, a new minor downtrend that we may have to deal with. As you say, we start to look towards uh, selling at the end of this month uh, uh, for old crop because of inputs that are needed, whether it's seed, fertilizer, chemicals, you name it. Um, you also have the new crop uh, uh, story start to uh, become a, a more prominent uh, story as we move forward, which is, you know, the end of March, you've got that big uh, acreage report or the prospective plannings report. Um, you know, some right now, you can make the case that we could be looking at 90-ish million acres for beans and maybe 95 to 96 for uh, uh, for corn with the the amount of prevent plant uh, that we had last year and maybe some uh, some acreage uh, switching? Yeah, that's it's definitely going to be what we're looking at. And you already saw, it, I mean, you've seen early estimates that really aren't 
as big as most of trade is speaking. Um, I think the, if I remember correctly, StoneX or Informa, one of the two, uh, only had new crop bean acres in about an 84, but trade is really expecting, especially with the insurance pricing we're currently seeing for new crop, large, large acres come to the mix for both corn and beans. So you, I think you're pretty spot on with saying, hey, we're, we're expecting some kind of large number and we're expecting a large, uh, large crop coming online here uh, relatively soon. Yeah, it does keep. Even though uh, we we still uh, kind of hold that bullish uh, bullish stance uh, on both corn and uh, and beans, uh, specifically old crop uh, for corn and beans, but the new crop uh, as well for uh, for beans, it does kind of tell everybody that yes, there is still risk out there. If we don't get some sort of a weather hiccup, you know, 88, 90 million acres of beans and uh, 95, 96, maybe 94 million acres of corn uh, will bring us uh, to to higher level ending stocks. The the bigger concern, obviously, being that uh, corn side of things. If you start to look at maybe a two billion uh, or a 2.2 billion uh, carryout on that new crop, um, you're talking mid uh, mid three dollar mark uh, somewhere in that neighborhood uh, as we go into harvest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's I mean. Lots, lots of process here going forward. And like I said, bull market needs to be fed. You need to continue to see sales. And that's really going to be at this point, unless, like Drew said, um, we start to see that high pressure develop one way than the other. Uh, the potential for the dryness concerns to bring the supply lower is questionable right now. And we do need to continue to see the demand side of things as well coming in the mix for China. Are we seeing them after Brazil gets their crop out of the ground coming in and buying more? Um, or did we see a, a big burst of sales and we start to you know, fall by the wayside? Right. Well, and it is it is important to note uh, as we as we close out this episode is that uh, uh, the USDA did not make any changes on the uh, on the South American production at this time. Uh, they left it the same from uh, from January. Uh, it is important to also note that uh, as of right now, as of uh, say the the ninth of February here, we are uh, or we uh, Brazil is way behind on their uh, on their harvest. Generally, they're fifteen to twenty percent uh, complete at this time. Right now, they're sitting about four to five percent. They just had those heavy rains that uh, continue to keep them out of the fields, and that does bring a little bit of concern when it comes to uh, to this new crop. You know, the harvest delays turn into uh, safrina planting uh, delays uh, for that second crop corn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of things to keep in mind and definitely tune in the podcast to keep in front of. But today for Allendale Market Talk, this is Mike Lung, Craig McBride signing off. If you guys have any questions, please feel free to reach out, 800-262-7538. But you guys have a great one out there.